The Inside Vegas Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. As always, enter promo code SGP50 for a 50% deposit bonus today up to $3,000. Again, promo code SGP50 for a 50% deposit bonus up to $3,000. Welcome into the Inside Vegas podcast. And yes, we are dropping this one day early for you guys for a variety of reasons. The biggest one, of course, being the Oscars controversy. And as always, this show has always been brought to you by MyBookie.ag, which has afforded us the opportunity to talk to the one man whose tweet was heard around the world talking about AG, where he basically uh, effectively tweeted out that, you know, what was going on with the best director prop moving from 40 to one all the way down to minus 120. Uh, He has been the focal point of conspiracy theorists saying this was a uh, publicity stunt. Everything and everything in between comes on to set the record straight and talk about what actually happened with this props. We go into so much detail. It's it's such a good interview for this, this unique type of event that happened and kind of what it means for the shops that uh, canceled the bet altogether. Uh, the outlets and media stories that came from this prior to the event and the kind of um, how it was covered, whether it was true from what he saw, the locations of um, everything, and, and again, more in-depth into what this means long-term for the future of novelty props, specifically in places like New Jersey, uh, which obviously answer to a different um, set of rules than places like Offshore or even Las Vegas and kind of how they were able to hang this prop, but Vegas wasn't. Obviously, Offshore doesn't have to deal with that type of stuff. And and kind of what this means big picture. And it's such a, a unique and interesting uh, standpoint to be able to get his point of view from what he saw. And again, whether this was, you know, setting the record straight on, on every type of rumor that is out there, uh, straight from the horse's mouth. So cannot wait for it to get into that and for you guys to hear the story from AG regarding the Oscars. Um, a couple of different categories, really, but we focus on uh, the best director one as well as best visual effects, which was a little bit of a similar uh, to not the degree of, of type of story. And after that, we finish up with friend of the program, Whale Capper. The White Whale comes on. We talk about NBA second half angles, how to uh, make money utilizing tanking teams um, and the best ways to do that throughout the rest of the NBA as we are finally clawing out of gambling winter, getting ready for conference tournament play, March Madness, baseball on the horizon. So a bunch of good things in this episode. Wanted to get it out to you guys a day early. So again, please enjoy AG talking about the Oscars and then the White Whale and I dissect NBA second half angles and how to exploit tanking teams. Hope you guys enjoy it. And with all of the Oscars controversy specifically, and I would say two categories, more so one, uh, I'm again, I did this uh, with the notion that I wanted to go into this as organically as possible uh, for everyone. So we didn't really talk off air much about this at all because I want everything to come straight from the horse's mouth. And again, I know I introduced this uh, kind of before that, but with so many different kind of aspects coming on um, or coming out rather, whether it was from various outlets, um, one blog stated crazy betting rumor that – 
Frat Kid at Penn State causes the favorite director's odds to drop from 45 to 1 to off the board. Books were uh, refunding bets. They were canceling them as exposure got, uh, you know, seven figures in some offshore spots. Um, and I guess the person that kind of all started this, my man, AG, who's been on this show so many times before during the NFL season to give square sharp action, set the world on fire with one tweet. Let's, let's quote it before we let him explain it. Just got hit by a bunch of brand new accounts depositing and max betting on Yorgos Lanthimos 20 to 1 for best director. As such, best director odds are now closed at BetMyBookie. Again, mybookie.ag. AG, my man, what happened? Tell me everything. Where did this come from? Where did this start? Was it true? Was it a publicity scam? I've seen every conspiracy theory and I've seen everything uh, in between. Tell me, tell me what's going on. I mean, lot, lots of haters out there for innocent old AG just making a tweet. Apparently. <laughs> I, I mean, so I guess we'll start there. The tweet, was that accurate? A hundred percent? How many accounts? And again, I believe the limits was what, a hundred bucks for that? Uh, we were at 250. Okay. So how many accounts-ish were there hitting that from new accounts for effectively 20 to 1? So, I mean, it was actually 11 accounts that got in at 40 to 1. Uh, that's when I shut it down and moved to 20 reopened it, got hit again by five more accounts, and they were all from the same area of Texas College Station, uh, if anyone is wondering. So, I mean, when that happens and they were calling in and asking to over-limit bet it, so we, we looked into it and we pulled up all these new accounts. They all came from the same area. And that's when I tweeted that, you know, we are seeing suspicious action. I confirmed it with uh, my cohorts at uh, the other offshore books to see, is this happening to you as well? Uh, they all confirmed that it was. So I made the tweet uh, and it took off. Certainly didn't. Again, Pat Morrow at Bavada stating this, stating, sending this tweet out at 5.09 on the 24th yesterday. A Sunday in late February should be relaxing. Sleep in, spend time with the wife, make up for all of those football weekends lost in the fall. Well, that went to shit when our special events trader called me and told me we stand to lose seven figures on some guy named Yorgos winning best director. So obviously, uh, I, I guess the first thing here is people want to claim conspiracy theory that maybe you had liability on uh, Roma director. Um, I kind of go the other way. I mean, the value that was placed on the Roma director, which you did tweet out, I believe it was minus 120 at close from minus 2000. Absolutely insane. Um, I guess, I mean, let's just set the record straight. This, it wasn't some grand conspiracy collusion plan. This was uh, something that you saw that tweeted out. And I guess the, the next question that I know people are going to want to ask is if you have all this liability, why would you state that to the public? I mean, why not? I mean, we're not uh, a low limit book. We can afford to pay our losses, uh, unlike the other books that we're canceling. You know, it's uh, people like that sort of information. So we threw it out there that, yes, we were getting hit heavily. Yes, it was going to be a big loss if it happened. Uh, I had heard the rumors about the fraternity as well, which was in line with the account signing up from College Station because they were all young college kids. Uh whether or not it was true, I mean, I didn't really weigh in on the validity of it all. Just passing uh, on the information, right? I just stated the facts. I mean, all of my counterparts love to pass on their information, so I passed on some of mine. And again, I'm just going to read this blog from Barstool that that basically said exactly what you said. Um, let me bring this up. 
Yorgos, uh, the director of The Favorites, was a 45 to 1 long shot to win Best Director Award at the Oscars until rumors resulted in betters placing a flurry of wagers. FanDuel, and by the way, I don't know how FanDuel is able to offer this without a, you know, going through a gaming commission because Las Vegas can't, which is very weird to me, but neither here nor there. Uh, On Sunday, there was serious movement at Best Director odds. Uh, Yorgos went from 45 to 1 all the way down to 5 to 1 and eventually off the board. Uh, Another gambler told the Action Network that they heard that Lanthus rumor was started at the University of Richmond, where a student received word from his aunt, who is on the academy. I mean, it's in line with what you, with what you said you saw, right? Correct. That's exactly what happened. I mean, there were young fraternity students that were betting. Uh, again, I mean, was it true? Was it not? I bet it personally myself. Of course, I did. You're going to take that shot because you have one of two options. You bet it and it loses and you've lost your money or you don't bet it and it wins and you feel like you've missed out. So that was sort of the decision people had to make. Do I care about losing 100 or $200 on this? Or do I care more about missing out on the chance at, you know, two to 4,000? Couldn't agree with you more. I, I took the bait. I got a 35 to one in there, saw it plummeting. Um, looking back at it, I probably could have played it a little bit uh, smarter and maybe, you know, bet half of that, you know, uh, whatever it was, four grand uh, on the other guy uh, from Romo until it was down at minus 120. But hey, like you said, that was that was my theory as well. Is Could I live with myself if it hit and this was the one anomaly in the world? Uh, no, I, I probably couldn't. So I was very happy to, you know, give my money if it didn't win. And like you said, you bet it yourself. Uh, um, I mean, that, that, that's the trade-off I think gamblers are, are not thinking of. I mean, whether, you know, getting something at 35 to one that crashes all the way down to minus 120, win or lose, I would, you know, novelty prop or not, I would argue is a plus EV bet in the long haul, right? Of course it is. I mean, in the long haul, if you're always taking that sort of value, you'll come out on top. Let's take this a step further. Say he did win. Um, number one I want to talk about is what would, again, I think that it's been, I don't want to say overstated, but stated very much, you know, what the damage would have been to sports books. Um, Bavada said, again, seven figures. Was it pretty much the same thing over at mybookie.ag? We were looking at about a half a million. And so if something, I mean, this is pro- has this ever happened on a novelty prop like this? I, I, the one that I think that almost leaks every year, um, again, depending on, you know, how you get your information and how, how deep into this world you are is kind of the first halftime, uh, song of the Super Bowl. That was, that's one that, uh, last year I saw that was effectively the same thing leaked, although it wasn't necessarily to this, uh, scale. Would there have, would this have been kind of the first time any novelty prop like this was kind of, uh, you know, effectively, you know, crushed this way? I mean, just this Super Bowl, the anthem time was leaked. The first song was leaked. Everyone bet it. They won. Um, I don't see them crying about that information. <laughs> right? I mean, this, these the people that are bitching on online about this loss, or, or, I mean, find a new hobby. Right? <laughs> you, you took a shot. The dream was there. It didn't cash. So now you're going to cry and claim that, like, one guy said I should be reported to the FBI over a tweet. Like, I've, I've done <laughs> no, a lot they of They did it. They called the FBI. That, FBI worthy, but that one wasn't it. <laughs> so, you know, people are crying in their cornflakes because they lost. Well, like, big deal. Bets lose, bets win. You know, you're taking a 40 to 1 shot. It's not expected to win. Sure, it closed at 2 to 1, but again, the action that came in was so heavily. I mean, my tweet played a, a part in it, I'll admit that, but so did the articles written by Darren Ravel, the Action Network. Uh, the big lead had an article that sort of pushed it over the edge. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely everywhere. And this is what I want to kind of talk about next is uh, th this was one of the win or lose. Um, and obviously books did not do the right thing here. You know, looking at this from a bigger picture here, especially when it comes to novelty props, um, the effect of canceling bets. Um, this is probably, that's probably one of, again, not to get on my soapbox here about bookmaking and, and all of this, but that to cancel that bet is probably one of the lowest things I would ever see a bookmaker do, uh, for a variety of reasons. This is not the, the sec. This is not uh, gaming commission. This is not insider trading. This is gambling. And if a book hangs something, in my opinion, you honor it, you know, regardless of a literal, a literal code, uh, issue, if you're trying to hang, you know, uh, plus 200 and you hang 20 to one by mistake, I, I completely understand that aspect of, of canceling a bet. But for this, where something is just effectively insider information and books to cancel that, um, again, I know my bookie.ag completely honored everything and everything as did some and some did not. Um, what are your kind of thoughts on that as well? I mean, it showed the books that, you know, purport to be these high limit respectable operations running scared because they know they can't pay it out if it hits. So everyone who plays with these books, you have to be asking yourselves if they ran scared for this Oscar bet, what else aren't they going to want to pay out if it gets to the liability gets too high? You know, what other lines are they going to close down? New Jersey closing it across the board was pure cowardice. I mean, based on no information at all, other than the fact that people were betting it. Mm -hmm. uh, the books that were canceling these wagers, again, I mean, on one hand, it was a, a bit of a shady move to cancel them. But on the other hand, especially these credit books that still had 40 to one out there when it was two to one a bookmaker. I mean, that's an obvious line error, no matter how way you cut it. Uh, they were asleep at the wheel. They weren't watching, but most books have a rule in place that these sort of errors are cancelable because it's just the nature of the game. I mean, if you have two, three thousand bets going a day, things are gonna be missed. Mm -hmm. I wanna. Uh, there was one I wanted to bring up the exact verbiage because, um, admittedly, played this on a local. In one of the verbiage, basically said bets uh, placed after public knowledge. Be you know, basically. Uh, let me bring up the exact word. Bets placed after public knowledge becomes known will be voided. And then it updated saying best director odds canceled. Um, everything else is what, when it comes to novelty props, right? This is a problem with me living in Vegas. I don't have to deal with outside of, you know, locals and offshores and stuff like that, that I, you know, play this, the novelty stuff for, because Vegas, again, can't play that without a, a box score effectively gaming commission will not, which is again, why I'm not a hundred percent sure as to why a company like FanDuel can offer that in person or, or on their app. I would think they have the same type of gaming commission, obviously off sure is a completely different world. Uh, but just, you know, really crazy across the board and kind of what different people are, are able to do. That's why to me, again, especially a, a shop like that in New Jersey, that's, that's operating within the United States, which is, should be held to, I don't say a higher, but a different standard like that is, is so crazy to me. I mean, given how they reacted, they probably shouldn't be allowed to accept these bets at all. Right. Do you know why they, I mean, it being in the, in, on that side of the counter for so long as you had as to why Jersey was able to do that, but Vegas isn't? It's probably on the state by state rules. I mean, the Vegas is governed by the Gaming Commission. They're extremely heavy handed in terms of these sort of novelty props. New Jersey is governed by their own set of rules, which clearly allow them to be posted. 
uh, I'm sure they're all discussing whether or not that's a good idea today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, com- completely agree. From a bigger uh, standpoint here, and I want to get to one other award because I think that this was the the other one that came crashing down was best visual best visual effects. Christopher Robin at twenty five to one, twenty to one, all the way down to about minus one twenty. Lost to I believe the seven to two second favorite uh, first man. Did you guys see the same kind of um, bets on that from the same accounts, or was that um, different accounts or anything like that? I mean, it was different accounts, but there was again a flurry of heavy action on it. Uh, if you watch the market in Europe, it was also getting hit heavily. So, I mean, there was 28 to ones out there, 30 to one at certain books like the Greek, uh, where the market in Europe was having it at 10 to one. So right there, I mean, there's like, it's a blind bet. Why wouldn't you bet the 30 to one when it's 10 to one everywhere else? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, whether there was, I mean, it lost, I, I, I know this personally, you know, that was actually the one that I thought would actually come in because it was a sort of a lesser category, uh, action is not nearly as high, uh, to be able to move the numbers around is easier for those sort of things than say best director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if, you know, if you had told me one of those two were going to hit last night and again, I bet them both, I would have completely said the Christopher Robin one was, you know, more likely just because of everything going on around it. Um, from a, again, a bigger picture, let's say that, uh, he did win this. Um, and even the fact that he didn't, I guess there's two ways to spin this. Does this mean anything different because he did, or if he didn't win, um, for the future of novelty props? And I, don't, I know you can only speak to my bookie, but do you think it could have an effect on, you know, novelty props in the market again, outside of, you know, maybe Jersey not hanging these type of things and them just being available offshore. But I mean, if this, you know, again, if, uh, these offshore books, including my took a, you know, uh, half a million dollar loss, would there have been any different, um, you know, differences in going about hanging these novelty props, whether it be Super Bowl or Gatorades or, or whatever the case may be, where they're, you know, quote unquote, predetermined outcomes. You know, you can make this connection all the way down to who will die in Game of Thrones and, and all your famous death pools that you have at mybookie.ag right now. I mean, there's predetermined outcomes on many events that we and everyone else takes betting off. So if we lost the half a million, we are doing business as usual today. We can, uh, we can stomach those sort of losses. Many books cannot. Uh, so they might have scaled back or reduced the limits on these bets that they're taking. But for us, uh, it would be business as usual. Nothing's changed. Uh, win or lose. You know, we put up these fun novelty prop bets to inject a little bit of more excitement into the game. I find it works. I find people like it. So I really see no reason to stop, even if we are losing. I mean, obviously, we'd like to win on them more than we lose, but in the end it brings people in it brings eyes to the site uh, so why not couldn't agree with you more man and again i mean if nothing else the marketing and, and everything else and um again i, I can't take cannot thank you enough for, for coming on and, and kind of you know doing this interview and i don't want to say setting the record straight or anything like that but being able to, to talk about this really because the the conspiracy theorists out there of this was a conspiracy from my book for um uh publicity and everything else um I, again I, i'm with you i think you need to find a new hobby if you think that that is the case i mean this was not just reported by you granted again you, you certainly played a hand in it as as you know running one of the the most prominent offshore books in the world but um absolutely crazy I, anything else that you kind of want to talk about um, between Oscars or, or this specifically? I kind of want to give you the floor here for, for anything and everything you want to come back at anybody that's telling you to go kill yourself. Please, please do. I'm, I mean, I guess every bookmaker from the northern reaches of Canada to the southern tip of South America probably owes me a few drinks next time I'm around them. <laughs> Maybe some dinners and you're welcome to all of them. Uh, 
you know, banner day where on the best director result, you know, it's the, the way she goes. I mean, sometimes she goes, sometimes she doesn't the fucking way she goes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Again, as always, guys, at Anonymous Gambler, G-A-M-B-L-R on Twitter. If you want to go fire some hate his way, I'm, I'm telling you right now, he bids in it. And again, as always, mybookie.ag, the official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network, Sports Gaming Podcast, and the Inside Vegas Podcast. So cannot thank you enough for taking time out of what I'm sure is uh, your day is rivaling something out of a day in the 13 Reasons Why category or some cyberbullying campaign. But thanks for taking the time, man. We really appreciate it. So you never tweet, folks. If there's a lesson to be learned, just never tweet. <laughs> <laughs> and there we have it from the horse's mouth. Everything regarding the Oscars, let's call it scandal, uh, tweet heard around the world when it comes to uh, everything that he put out there. Straight from his mouth, everything in terms of liability, what they saw, what he tweeted. Um, and so took time out of his hate-filled day to, uh, to come on the show and, and do all that with us. And I cannot thank him enough for it. Um, maybe you stop sitting and hate his way again. He said he bet it himself. I bet it myself. Nobody's happy that it did not come in. But all he did was kind of, uh, you know, confirm what was being out there. Um, so the conspiracy theorists of the world, I think, can, can maybe take a little bit of a, a day off now that that's out there. All right, switching things over to, to the more, uh, let's say, usual type of, of show. We have The White Whale, Whale Capper, coming on to talk about NBA second half, angles to attack, teams to attack, and, of course, the ever-popular Tankapalooza. We go over everything from last year, the most profitable teams, and who are most likely to be this year's profitable teams, uh, including why it's a little bit different this year with the NBA changing, how the lottery is, and, and all that type of stuff. So here he is, The White Whale, talking NBA second half angles. And now joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast, frequent friend of the program and the co-host of the Deep Dive with Andy and the White Whale. The man himself, the White Whale, is joining us to talk some NBA as we pretty much claw through the rest of gambling winter here where there's only about you know, one to two major sports in play. Um, and we're going to be talking about effectively second half betting angles. And me personally, I, the second half is really when I play um, more NBA than college and, and vice versa in the first half of NBA. Me, me, you know, I, I know a lot of people who share this notion that the first half of the NBA is really you know scrimmage and meaningless. Effectively, teams needing wins obviously to set up seating but you can really make up a lot of ground in the second half and a lot of this stuff is with the talent disparity within the league it is so so different so so crazy so um let's break right into it and welcome on my friend whale how are you today how is everything out in what i hope is sunny california because it's been snowing in las vegas for about four days right now <laughs> dude we are going through real deal winter too man i know man uh, snowpocalypse crazy i it's it's been like in the 40s every morning here in uh, in southern california which is wild uh but it is a beautiful sunny day thank you for having me back on it is great to talk to you again uh how you, you hanging in there post uh, football listen man i am very cold i am uh, not <laughs> a lot to wager on and and as we've you know known each other three years this has always been the time that i like to take a step back i kind of don't do as many of the day-to-day -day things. I just kind of cap my stuff, do the, do the podcast and, and kind of hang out and take a step back before baseball. Um, and, but the, with the, you know, with the way that the, the league is changing, if there's money to be made, I think that it makes sense to take a look at it. And so, um, when we look at this as a whole through the NBA, the, you know, the notion of quote unquote tank of Palooza is what it's been called. And effectively it's the idea that you bet against tanking teams on the money line. Um, and there are some more other things that go into it, certain situations that apply to this. Um, what is effectively, um, to break right in the most 
you know, uh, favorable or profitable, we'll say, kind of theory you have when it comes to betting on tanking NBA teams during the second half of the year? Ooh, this is a this is a good one. This is a good conversation, and and for sure, this was kind of uh, the best way to pad your bankroll as you go through the home stretch. Here, you know, we have about a month and a half left of NBA. Um, some teams clearly positioning themselves for best possible lottery chance to get uh, to get their crack at Zion Williams or one of the other uh, you know future prospects. And really, this kind of all trickles back to the process. Uh, you know, the Sixers and Sam Hinkie were really de- determined and dedicated to, you know, trying to maximize their number of opportunities to draft high talent. And, the you know, and that was kind of like their entire philosophy. And they stunk out loud for like three seasons, just accumulating, you know, talent through the draft. Uh, and now a whole bunch of teams around the league are kind of emulating that same process, most notably. Uh, the Suns are kind of the the prototype right now. Of, but, you know, at the same time, they're not a very well-run team and they're not necessarily making great decisions in the draft. And, you know, it's not like they need Zion Williams right now. They desperately need like a really good young point guard. So, you know, there, there's some there's some, you know, question as to whether it's a valid way to build a team. And it's it's a good strategy for your NBA team long term, I think. But as far as gambling game by game, you're absolutely right. There's huge opportunities to get uh uh, to get some cracks at both pregame, you know, cause you can pretty much expect that a team will lose. That's the name of the game. Right. Uh, you know, you don't necessarily know if they'll lose by whatever enormous line is out there. Um, but, 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 you know, in game, a lot of times you'll get an honest effort out of these teams for three quarters. And then the fourth quarter, they'll just throw the white flag up. So, you know, a lot of times, you know, if it's a close game, if it's, you know, if, if it looks competitive, you get an even better crack at the money line on the, uh, on the non-tanking team in game. Um, but it's a great strategy and, uh, it definitely helped help you down the stretch here. Um, and you know, there's some pretty clear and obvious candidates this year for, for teams that I think qualify that, you know, maybe a little under the radar. For sure. And I want to really reemphasize just how profitable this was during last year of the 2018 NBA season. And I'm just going to go through, um, effectively it is, I believe the top eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, top seven teams or bottom seven teams. Now the criteria for this is depending on who you talk to, uh, people do it a little bit differently. Some people have the notion that you only play the, you bet you, um, you only play the tanking team on the road because effectively they will always play a little bit better, um, for the their home crowd, whereas on the road, they won't care. Um, but basically it is you bet the money line of the, um, uh, the team playing against. So you're going to bet against teams that are tanking, right? So when I look, when you look through this for last year, the Dallas Mavericks, um, effectively this was 52 weeks to the day. So one year ago, basically today, this is what the records were heading into Tankapalooza, uh, Dallas Mavericks, two and 12 straight up against non-tanking teams, Phoenix, oh, and 15 against non-tanking wow. teams, Memphis, oh, <laughs> and 12 against non-tanking teams. Sacramento, two and nine straight up against non-tanking teams. Atlanta, two and six straight up against non-tanking teams. Orlando, one and six straight up against non-tanking teams. And finally, Chicago, one and 12 straight up against non-tanking teams for a record of eight and 72. And if you put that into perspective, that is two games short of one team's NBA season. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. It, it's, it's crazy. When you look back at this, eight wins, eight wins. Oh my. And oh, wait, yeah. 
Uh, gosh, yeah, it's a, it's a, that's just incredible. It's um, it's crazy. And so when you look at notes. this, yeah, no, yeah. go through it. Tell me yeah. what are your thoughts. C- c- couple notes. First of all, it was so incredible last year that it incentivized the NBA to kind of recalibrate how they did the lottery. I don't know if you know this, but they it yep. used to be like if you had the worst record, you had the best chance at number one, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and they've re- they've retooled it this year so that it bottom three all have equal likelihood of getting number one, right? So there's less jockeying that needs to happen between those bottom three teams. And there's a clear bottom tier this year of three teams. Uh, The Cavaliers, the Suns, and the Knicks are all very clearly going to end up in the bottom three unless one of those teams screws up and wins a couple games they shouldn't, uh, in which case maybe the Bulls get into the bottom three. But the difference between the, you know, if you're the fourth worst team, you only have like maybe you're off by 2% or so uh, in terms of getting that first pick relative to the bottom three. Um, so really that kind of that tier of four teams, I would expect to stay pretty solid, pretty likely that they're going to end up in the bottom four. And they really have they really have no virtually no incentive to win any of those teams, especially when they're playing against a team that has playoff aspirations or is you know, is, is, is kind of trying to capture some winning momentum for, for the future, for whatever reason. Um, I would add to that list this year beyond those four. So the four obvious ones being Suns, Cavs, uh, Knicks and Bulls, uh, beyond that, the next team that I have circled in super duper duper, uh, red (laughs) Sharpie is the Memphis Grizzlies. Not not only one did we see this organization specifically tank last year, but this year, if they don't finish in the bottom eight, then they give up their their lottery pick, which means they they you know if they and and I say finish in the bottom eight, if they you know end up trickling out of the bottom eight in terms of draft choice when the lottery rolls around, uh, they're screwed. Um, so it's it is and there and if you look at this tank of Palooza standings right now, they're like right around eight ish. Uh, so they are the team that I have highlighted as the least afford can least afford to accidentally win. Um, and so, you know, put the Grizzlies kind of at the top of the list. Yeah. And, and um, 0-12 last year against non-taking teams. Uh, yeah. Incredible, incredible number, incredible number. And, you know, and I, you know, I feel like to a degree, the tanking culture kind of like the, like the, they get it. Like they're, you know, and in fact, it's a little tough to break out of the tanking culture. We saw the Sixers pull it off last year, finally, you know, putting together a winning season. But like, you know, the players kind of get into that rhythm. Like, oh, it's the fourth quarter. Like, let's, you know, r- let's dribble out the 24 second clock and take a god awful shot. Right. And so that opens up other opportunities, in my opinion, to look for unders when you're when you see a tanking team that's going to be in a somewhat competitive game. Otherwise, look for an under. Because if it's close, if it's a five or six point game going into the fourth quarter, you better be damn sure uh, the Grizzlies are going to score like nine or ten points. Right. And so that can completely throw off the the game total and and present a nice angle on an under. Um, Similarly, if two tanking teams are playing each other, uh, that is a beauty of an under spot because you literally are talking about a fourth quarter that's just going to be a staring contest. Do you know what the um, record of, or just ballpark record of what two tanking teams going up against each other was for the um, over under last year? Uh, off the top of my head, I would say it was about 60, 65 wow, percent. Uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I know that it was pretty it was a it was a tried and true angle that I hit 
yeah relatively regularly and it helped me put together like a nice little winning streak going down the home stretch in march last year um and you know and it was even more lucrative live right like if it was a relatively loose wide open high-ish scoring game through two or three quarters then you could get a, a live number that was just outrageously high and they would plop down like 35 points in the fourth quarter like there was just some absolute beauties like that last year uh, that I can remember pretty fondly. Maybe yeah. my favorite was like Hawks Magic. There was a Hawks Magic game where they, or a Hawks Bulls, or a Bulls Magic game. There was a couple of those Hawks Bulls. That the three of them, every time they played last year, like the literally the fourth quarter was a staring contest where you saw. I, I like you lose track of how many shot clock violations there would be, and it was like. Just get neither out of there. these te- yeah, but neither of these teams wants to win. They're staring at each other, and like whoever makes a mistake and accidentally makes a basket is going to win here and hurt their chances at a lottery pick. So it was, it was, it was wild. Yeah, I remember watching that last year. Specifically, the team that comes to mind was the Dallas Mavericks. It was Dennis Smith Jr. and four guys from the G- <laughs> now G League. Yes, yes. Right. <laughs> um, and so that that's was the right. one that stuck out to me a lot. Um, but I guess the the implications of this, you know, when we talk about the lottery changing, right? So when we really, really break this down from uh, the overall standings perspective, you talked about Phoenix, New York, Cleveland. I mean, in reality, Chicago is one game ahead of Cleveland or one game behind, if you will, um, you know, vice versa wins. So Chicago, I think is another one that makes some sense because yeah, there are sure. you know, yeah. three games, yeah. um, Atlanta, five games. Um, I would largely think that, I mean, do you think that there's an, an angle to exploit in fading? I mean, I, I realize that these are very bad teams as a whole. So, it, you know, using this, these, uh, you know, betting against these teams is, is obviously going to be profitable. It's proven profitable throughout because they're just so bad. When we talk about New York, Phoenix, and Cleveland, I understand that. But when we look up at the next year of Memphis, Atlanta, Chicago, you know, is it worth it to bet the bottom tier at all? Or is it just, you know, they're so far ahead. I mean, they can really win if they wanted to. I mean, regardless of the talent that's not there, does it make more sense to target teams like, let's say, Memphis, Atlanta, Chicago? Or does it make sense to stay in the bottom with teams like Cleveland, New York and Phoenix, do you think? Yeah, I think it makes more sense to stay in the bottom for two reasons. One, they really can't afford to lose. You're right. Chicago is knocking on that door for a bottom three seed, which changes their likelihood of getting the first overall pick from 10% to 12 and a half, right? So it's a two and a half percent bump. Not huge, but it's enough that Chicago probably wants to make sure that they, you know, they, if they can get into the bottom three, they will try. Um, and, you know, like we saw last night with the Suns playing the Cavs, like these teams are going to play each other. Uh, and so there's going to be some jockeying, even if they're all determined to lose. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it does make sense that, uh, those four teams are going to continue to do what they can to lose. And Oh, by the way, these teams stink, they stink <laughs> badly. So it's like, and, and you, you made the point of like, okay, well, do we want to back these teams on the road specifically? Because maybe they try a little harder at home for the home fans. I would go the other way actually. And I don't have like the numbers in front of me to really support this, but at least what I've seen this year with the bad teams is you get a little more honest effort out of them, uh, on the road. Um, and some of this is because like they kind of figure that they're going to lose on the road anyway. So they might as well like work hard, you know, but mm-hmm. at home. Like they can't, they don't want to get into the situation where, oh my God, we're up by 11 in the third quarter. Where, how are we going to figure out a way to lose this game? You know, like they, so there is some, there is, you know, there has been some 
disparity for some of these teams that I've picked up just watching games uh, when they are trying even, uh, you know, even putting even, even less effort at home, believe it or not. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's spitting in the face of the home fans, but uh, you know, this is, uh, this is not, you know, you have one, you have one chance to, to rebuild in this league and that is getting a blue chip player through the draft. Uh, if you're some of these smaller market teams, like we're talking about, and I mean, I know it seems crazy to talk about the Knicks and the bulls as smaller market teams, <laughs> right. and, you know, the Knicks clearly have their eyes on some pretty high profile free agents this off season. So, you know, a lot of this could change for them on the fly, but, um, but then, but you know, the Knicks, as far as the roster goes, they have a G league roster right now. It's so bad. Yeah. It's, I mean, the Dennis Smith jr. And four G leaguers that were in the Mavericks jerseys last year. Those same five guys are wearing next jerseys this <laughs> this March, so it's it's going to be crazy watching those games. All right, so let's switch this over to apply it now that we kind of understand the basis of this, right? What do you believe is the easiest way? Because again, these teams are looking at you know um, huge spreads some nights, especially teams like um, the Knicks, the Suns. Um, what do you have you found? You know, because again, this is all straight up against the spread. Does certainly does not apply. The numbers are very very different when applied. Um, you can you know some things I've thought of is you know open money line parlays if that's available to Ooh. you. Um, you know, again, you're rolling off eighty whatever I just said seventy. Uh, six and or no, let me bring it back up here for what that was. Um, eight and seventy-two. Um, in a rolling two-team money line parlay at minus one thirty is really probably going to get the job done at a, a lose percentage of ten percent. You know, that's ninety percent in two-leg parlays. So that was one way I thought yeah, of it. Yeah. That option's certainly not available. You know, in sports books and stuff like that. Um, do you just you know you if that option is not available or do, first of all, do you think that that is the best option? And if not, is there um you know do you just take what the day is given to you um in you know using two two uh, team money line parlays? That's not a bad idea. I, it, it, that does make sense. If you're trying to kind of limit your risk a little bit and li- limit how much you're outlaying on a single play, trying to get these wrapped up into a parlay does make to make a lot of sense to me. Um, keeping it in a kind of a reasonable number though also makes sense. Like I wouldn't advocate opening a 24 leg. Right. 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 I was saying just, and just you know, you know, effectively yeah, yeah, 40 right, series yeah. of twos. Yeah. Three. Yeah. If, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're going to get, yeah. Putting it, put, putting them together in pairs makes a ton of sense to me. You're starting to get a little bit risky if you're, if you're going trips and, and quads. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, that is a nice, uh, nice way to go about it. And, you know, even if even if you are dealing with like, okay, today we only have these games with lines. Like usually, if you're waiting till relatively close to tip, you're gonna see the next day's lines might pop, especially if they aren't playing on. Like you know, if if teams aren't playing on Thursday, then most of the games for Friday will be lined. Um, when you know when you're getting close to tip off, and so you will you will have some opportunities to go across days at the book, even if you don't have an open parlay option. Um, and then, uh, as we mentioned, some games, you know, it may make sense to just you know drink the juice if it's if it's like a you know if it's like a pretty uh, telltale spot for you. Uh, some days it may make sense to um, you know wait and try to get a better number live. Uh, a lot of times these tank, yeah, I mean the, the most effective, the, the most effective wins that I had all season last year were when the tank, the clear and obvious tanking team, uh, was just balling out through two or three quarters, uh, and then coming back against them live on the money line, uh, sometime in the fourth quarter, there was one game where the Suns played the rockets 
in Houston. And at one point the Suns were up like 15 points in the fourth quarter and the, and the Houston money line was like plus four or 500. And I was like, the Suns have, they know how to get out of this win. <laughs> they know how to work their way out of this win. Even up 15, they can pull this off and, uh, back up a truck and dumped on the, uh, uh, on the Rockets at like plus four, plus 500, down 15 points. Uh, and sure enough, uh, I think it was Gerald Green hit a three from the corner as time expired uh, that that uh, clinched the win uh, out of the hands of defeat for the Rockets. That was that was a, a ton of fun. I, I remember that game like it was yesterday. That was so great. So you know, if you can't if you can't find good spots and good ways to put put a couple of these teams together pregame, uh, definitely look for some some live live play options. Right. And I'm just going to, you know, what is, what do you believe is kind of your limit? Um, I don't want to say what is, I mean, that's a personal preference for everyone, of course, but um, we're recording this a little bit early um, for next week, obviously. So, you know, in a, in a spot like today, um, or I mean, you can put this in any spot, but Chicago plays Orlando. Orlando is a home eight point favorite great, to me. That great is, one to pick. Great one to pick. Is okay. that, yeah, see, yeah, to me, ahead. that is money, open money line parlay gold. Would you just take the, you know, lay the juice on that being as it seems as, you know, effectively as a lock or would you go, you know, you can look down at a team like Denver only laying minus four and a half at Dallas um, or, you know, Clippers minus two and a half at Memphis or, you know, Minnesota minus five at New York. And again, I'm just picking these off of the slate that I'm looking at right now, but it just shows the difference in what you, what you, you know, the different types of numbers that can be out there. So what do you know, do you have a specific spot in mind that you would do one versus the other, or you can start with, you know, any of those games, Chicago, Orlando one or whatever. Ooh, this is good. This is a good jumping off point. And uh, let's talk, let's start with Chicago, Orlando, because number one, my numbers would have this game lined to double digits easily. Um, and I would say that in a complete vacuum, just going based on the strength of these teams, uh, I would have Orlando likelihood to win this game in like the n- close to 90%, mm-hmm. uh, which right away presents value on the money line as it is, even aside from the fact that there is incentive involved in Chicago finding a way to lose, even if it's close, which, you know, chips away at the winning likelihood even more. Right. So, you know, to a degree, there's value on that money line. And if you're looking at this entirely quantitatively, then I don't see any problem with laying that juice, but on top of, you know, cause over the long run, you know, you're, if you, if you have those, if you have that numerical advantage and you're putting that value in your pocket, you're going to win money. So it's, it's not, you know, the, the juice, is more about your risk port, you know, your risk tolerance, in my opinion. Right. Like, are you willing to lay, you know, 400 to win a hundred, you know, like you can also flat that and take a 25% ROI. That's, that's not a bad strategy yeah, either. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why not? Like you're, you're padding your bankroll here. Like this is, you know, this is not, uh, you know, there, there's, there's less, um, you know, there's certainly, this is, there's high, you know, the NBA, I would say, uh, is one of the higher, uh, uncertainty fields to be betting in anyway, you know, variability and uncertainty in night to night is huge. Uh, and so you have to kind of keep that in mind as it is, but yeah, if you wanted to put hundred to win 25, like there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with that in my opinion. Um, the Clippers and, the uh, in Memphis is a tricky one. Like I mentioned, we were talking just now, like the Grizzlies probably have the highest incentive of anyone uh, to lose down the stretch here. But so do the Clippers. The Clippers uh, right now are in the eighth seed of the playoffs. If they do not land in the lottery, then they got to send their pick to the uh, uh, to the Boston Celtics. And I think they would like to 
uh, to continue to rebuild their franchise. They have moved cap around enough that they can go out and get quiet Leonard this off season and kind of, you know, they, they've done some really nice things organizationally to set themselves up for 2019, 2020. Uh, and I don't think, um, you know, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And, and so I, I would scratch that one off just because I have the Clippers as kind of a, uh, a low key tanking team as well as Memphis, uh, down the stretch. So, you know, D- the Denver Dallas is a fun one, uh, because I agree with you. Um, it's a short line. It looks short. People are going to scratch their heads at that one and be like, this is suspicious. This is fishy. Dallas has played Denver pretty tough this year, but Dallas just moved a ton of pieces and they're relatively thin right now. Uh, and Donch is just hitting the rookie wall. So I wouldn't have any problem, uh, looking for just laying the points with Denver as, you know, as opposed to, um, you know, trying to back them on the money line because, you know, it's, uh, it's when you're getting, when you're in that ballpark, uh, you know, of around five points, uh, five might as well be, uh, you know, I mean, you know, eight, eight might as well be five, you know, like that, that's kind of mm-hmm. a range where if it's five, the losing team is incentivized to foul. Uh, and so there's not, a, there's not, you know, there's not as much risk in, in, uh, in laying that many points in the NBA, in my opinion. Couldn't agree with you more. You brought up a great point about the fact that you need to basically, you know, you need to know where teams stand, what draft picks go where, depending on where teams finish, like you said, with the Clippers to the Celtics and so much great content in such a short amount of time, buddy. And and I cannot thank you enough for coming on anything else. Um, you know, take a Palooza second half, anything you want to, um, you know, to kind of talk about real quick or, um, anything like that before I give you the floor to plug off. Oh, yeah. Not necessarily tank a Palooza, but like the Charlotte Hornets are perceived as this team that has a playoff seed right now, and they look like they are almost certainly going to fall out of the playoffs. So, uh, like laying five points against the the Wizards tonight makes absolutely no sense to me. Uh, similarly, the uh, uh, the Spurs are playing pretty bad basketball right now, a lot worse than normal this time of year. And I, I would circle the Spurs and Hornets as two teams that are currently in the playoff mix that could find themselves on the outside. And a lot of times when you go from thinking you're going to the playoffs to all of a sudden it's clear that you're not, uh, you know, then, then your, your incentives change and you start seeing surprise guys rested and things like that. So I would, I would kind of have, even though there's no obvious reason that they would be tanking, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if things continue to go trend poorly for those teams, uh, if there's some opportunities to fade them down the stretch. Definitely. And again, I feel like eventually the the market may correct itself a little bit here. So much like some some crazy trends that we've seen in different sports, NHL first half overs, um, you got to get in while it's while it's here. Um, so it makes a ton of sense, man. I cannot thank you enough for coming on um, again, as always. Where can people find you and find all of your incredible work in the space, my friend? Oh, all the good stuff is at whale underscore capper on Twitter. And, uh, you know, let's check out our deep dive podcast everywhere where you get your podcasts and we're doing two a week and appreciate you having me on buddy and good luck the rest of the season. And, uh, you know, good luck with this, uh, this winter. <laughs> it's all, we're almost through it, buddy. We'll talk soon.